Living the Principles. This podcast is hosted by Latricia Smith and Phyllis G. Williams. Living the Principles seeks to expand mindsets, express beliefs, and edify excellence in hopes of building a stronger Black community. Welcome to Living the Principles. Welcome. I am Latricia, and with me today is my co-host, Phyllis. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Latricia, and hello, Difference Makers. Today, I just want to start you guys off with a karaoke song to give you a hint of our discussion. All I need in this life of sin is me and my girlfriend. Down the ride to the very end, just me and my girlfriend. When Tupac sang that song, he was talking about a weapon, but we are talking about a movie. Today, we will be talking about Queen and Slim, which premiered in theaters in November. Queen and Slim is about a young man and a young woman whose first date turns into a catastrophic and entertaining adventure. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, we will be giving spoilers. I'm going to start with a vibe from our scribe. Taisha Black Wilson wrote, I loved it. The fact that she was a lawyer, but also was able to identify that she was black. Lawyer or not, her tale was going to jail. The police had a history of racial profiling and other issues, but no one cared. And this is a real issue in America. I cried like a baby at the end. Our next scribe from our tribe, it comes from Adrian Jefferson. I found too much fault in some of the things they did or didn't do. Why didn't they go to McDonald's to get food instead of asking the kid to get them something? Then detour to a hospital while you're on a run. Why did they park that truck in the front yard when they went to the uncle's house? Why did they not go back to the other guy's house so they wouldn't be seen going in? Why didn't they run like heck to get in that helicopter? So two different perspectives. Which letter resonated with you the most, Latricia? Well, both of the letters resonated with me, but from a purely entertainment perspective, I think the second one (laughs) resonated (laughs) most with me because... I'm asking those same questions. Here it is. You're on the run. Why aren't you doing more to protect yourself if the police are after you? Why are you doing this? But at the same time in the movie, she did mention that they were going to hide in plain sight. So maybe that's why some of these things happen. Also, I will have to say that at the end, it was really sad and I cried as well. How about you, Phyllis? What what are your thoughts? I cried as well, and I even gasped aloud in the movie. I was like, (gasps) and people turned around and looked at me. But I did see some discrepancies and think they weren't well thought out. And in real life, we're thinking if we're going to hide out, we're going to be discreet as possible. So there were some issues with the way they were on the run but I also feel as if it still added some suspense to the movie would they get pulled over by a police officer 
the incident when they were in the juke joint in Mississippi. I think it added a little suspense. So we could say, you need to get out of there. You need to go back. And I wonder if that was purposeful. Yeah, that's a really good point because it did lead to suspense because I was thinking, is somebody going to turn them in? Are they going to run to the wrong person? Is a police officer going to show up at this place? So it did keep you in suspense. To me, it was a relatively long movie that didn't have a lot of action in it because they spent so much time driving. I guess they needed some of that stuff to keep the audience engaged. So that's a good point. One thing I love about this movie was the music. It was a variety of music from neo-soul to hip-hop, rap, jazz, and even African music. So I thought that was a great display of the African diaspora through music. Yeah, I did too. And I, I remember at the end, I was like, is that Lauren Hill? I need to go get that soundtrack. Let me go find that soundtrack. But I think it was you who discouraged me like, oh, that soundtrack has some music on it. <laughs> it does have ratchet music with Meg and the Stallion. Stallions normally aren't women, but okay. So um, Megan Thee Stallion does have a song on there that's pretty vulgar. I didn't get it, but I do love Lauren Hill. I was like, Lauren Hill is back. Yeah, well, you could probably just download the songs you like. I'm still going to get the whole CD because I'm a little bit of this and a little bit of that. <laughs> so <laughs> we also not only watched the movies, since we're both so analytical, we found some articles concerning the movie. The first article came from medium.com. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The title was very catching because it was saying Queen and Slim is not for black people. Patricia, can you give me some of your thoughts on the article concerning Queen and Slim not being for black people? First of all, like you said, that title, that title made me want to read the article. I was like, what do you mean this movie is not for black people? It was written by black people, directed by black people, full of black people. Why isn't it for black people? But as I began to read the article, I was able to see some of the perspectives that she was talking about. And it made me go back and think because, again, I was mainly watching the movie for entertainment value. But as I read this article, it did make me reflect on some of the things that she said. One thing in particular that I really didn't pay attention to was the part where she said this movie is not for fat black people. She talked about how there were these two characters. There was a boy and his father, and she said that they were used for comedy relief. And I didn't really think about that. In fact, I have forgotten about the comedy, and I think you reminded me. And I was like, what, what happened? Because I was so thrown back about the scene. This was the scene where the first listener wrote about why didn't they just go to McDonald's or why didn't they just go to a drive-through? That's what I was thinking. So I was so caught up in the scene thinking, why in the world are they stopping here asking this kid to get them some food when they could have just gone to the drive-through? I wasn't even really thinking about anything else. And so when I read this and she said it's not for fat black people, I had to go back and think about that scene where the little boy, he was chubby, his daddy was chubby, 
And I guess there was some comic relief and something the dad said. So I get what she's saying there. One other thing she said that I'm not in agreement with this. I think I understand her perspective, but my perspective is a little different. She said that it's not for black women. And one of the things that she said was that the character that we know as Queen, how she was loud and outspoken in the beginning of the film, and then later on she became this demure woman. And I guess she was saying that she was diminished so that the character that we know as Slim, so that he is increased. And I didn't see it that way. I saw it a little differently. I think she was very independent. She was pretty much a loner, so she did a lot of things on her own. She took care of herself, and she was kind of a no-nonsense, I-don't-need-anybody kind of person. But as time went on and she began to trust Slim, then she was able to give some of her burden to him. She she didn't have to keep it all to herself. She didn't have to figure everything out herself. She had a partner, somebody to take some of this with them. That's the way I saw it. So I, I get where she's coming from because it could have that appearance to some people that she was this strong woman and then all of a sudden she became something different, but I, I didn't see that. I know that I can be a bit of a social justice warrior, but I saw some of the nods to patriarchy. For example, Queen was very dominant and bossy. I believe that was not only a nod to patriarchy, but also misogynoir. It's the narrative of the angry black woman. And I'm sure many women and other people felt like me when watching that part. We did not like her. We wondered why black women got to be so bossy? Why black women got to have a nasty attitude? So we're buying into that as well. And another part that made me feel like it was a nod to patriarchy was when Queen softened up. She did not soften up until after she had sex. And it makes me think of people who make sexist remark that a woman's upset because she's not getting laid or they put a woman's worth in how sexually appetizing they are. And there's some things that could be problematic in those views. There's people who are asexual, who don't have a desire to have sex, and therefore they're viewed as unvaluable, especially if they're a woman. So I got what she was saying that maybe it seemed like it wasn't for black women for those reasons. And I do think we were, by we, I mean the audience, we were supposed to not like her and think of her as the angry black woman in the beginning. But I agree with you. She just needed to gain trust that she's not by herself. Because at the cafe, she was saying, well, I don't have anyone. So I do agree with you. Throughout the movie, she just had to gain trust in someone else. You made some really good points about the way people view black women. And another thing she mentioned was how Queen experienced the most violence. She was saying how she was the one who got shot in the leg. She was the one who dislocated her shoulder and 
spoiler alert, she was the first one to die. Having said all those things, I agree, and I can see how that would have the appearance that this movie is somehow against black women. But I imagine there's a reason behind all of this. Maybe these things happen as a way to exercise her strength, to show the strength of a black woman. She was able to sustain a gunshot wound, dislocate her shoulder, and still come out okay until the end. I respectfully disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's, going back to the angry black woman and the strong black woman, those narratives can be dangerous. It can look like a black woman having twice the workload than another person, but people will say, oh, she's strong. Or even women feeling as if they have to be strong no matter what's happening in their life. I have different friends in the medical field, and there's women who prolong getting checked for cancer because they have to be there for everybody, and they sacrifice their body. So what I see it as is Black women sacrificing themselves so they could be applauded for being strong. Now that is a very good point. And maybe that's the point they were making in the movie. I don't know. Let's see. What else did this article say? Who else was this movie not for? It was not for those in the Black Liberation Movement in general. The writer stated that they minimized the police riot by playing a sex scene simultaneously with a pivotal point in the movie. What do you think about the sex scene and the police riot scene being played back to back as if they were happening at the same time in different parts of the world? What do you think that was intended to show or invoke? That's a really good question. And I'm still trying to figure that one out because for some people, I think it evoked anger. How dare you have these two having sex while this kid is over here protesting and his life is on the line. And then on the other hand, could it have been this protest is a representation of hate and this sexual act is a representation of love. So maybe it could have been this love-hate thing. Or maybe, now I'm just coming up with stuff off the top of my head because I really don't know. Maybe it's just about climax. The climax from this event and the climax from this event. I don't know. What do you think? As a writer, the last part makes the most sense to me as far as the high peak of a point being reached in both storylines. So that's interesting to think of it that way. Overall, what would you say about the first article? Or what would you say to the writer, Court Daney? I would say that, Court, you have a very interesting perspective, one that I am glad to have read about because there were some things written in the article that I had not considered. And after reading the article, I can see how... She feels this way. 
So the first article gave us new insight and the article from Oprah also gave me insight not only on the movie, but also history. For example, Queen and Slim's story begins in Cleveland, Ohio. Initially, when they were going to Florida, I thought, who escapes to the South for freedom? From the north. It was ironic. <laughs> yes, from the north. <laughs> it was ironic to me. Can they just go to Canada? I had some of those thoughts. So the writer did that intentionally to remind us of emancipation and escaping slavery. Yeah, I found that to be interesting, and I w- wouldn't have thought of that had they not mentioned it. Another point in Cleveland, Ohio was, dun, 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 drum roll. What was it, Latricia? That was where Tamir Rice was murdered. Yes, and he was a dominant motivator for the Black Lives Matter movement. And as I think about the nod to Tamir Rice, I wonder if there was a connection between the young man who shot a cop and Tamir Rice. Do you think there was a connection? Hmm. There may have been. Maybe since Tamir Rice was in her mind, maybe that young man was somehow representing Tamir Rice to some degree. So going from... Cleveland, Ohio, we're going to move to another pivotal point or underlining meaning of the movie. We learned this through the article from Oprah Magazine. It was in Mississippi. What did you think about that particular scene? Well, at first, while watching the movie, I was thinking, why are they stopping here to dance? Don't they know that they're on the run, that the Police are looking for them. They don't have time for this. But at the same time, they didn't know if they were going to see another day. So they went ahead and stopped at the juke joint. And I thought it was interesting because it seems like when they were dancing, maybe that's when they started growing in love in the movie. They had a feeling of being safe. I think they were always on guard because they realized that people knew who they were because There was a video that had been shown, and in this video, everybody saw them. So they were not anonymous. They had this air of caution about themselves. But when they went to this place, they were told that they were safe, and they became free. So they were free to dance and free to experience each other. And I think that's when they began to really fall in love. In the article, it also stated that It was a gesture to the Underground Railroad. There were people on the trail who provided a safe haven, and that's what the juke joint did. It provided a safe space for someone on the run. And ironically, I think it was even called the Underground. It was. I remember seeing that name and thinking, oh, okay. But seeing the connection from the article, it makes even more sense now. The last part of the article that I felt was very important was the directors and writers wanted us to feel as if we were in the movie, that it could have been any of us. And this is why they did not say their name. When did we know of their name? We didn't learn of their names until they were dead and it came on the news there was a news clip that came on 
talking about them and they actually were lying in the news clip saying that they I think they said that they went out blazing or something. I I can't remember exactly, but I do remember them telling the lie because I was like, why are they lying? Mm hmm. But yep, we didn't find out their names until the end. So throughout the movie, they didn't have names. They were never called Queen and Slim. They were never called by their names. But we found out at the end that their names were Ernest and Angela. Mm-hmm. We discussed two articles' perception of the movie. Latricia, I remember when we first had a sit-down of discussing this movie, you did something very interesting. You talked about certain phrases from the movie. Now that we've talked about the two articles and we've had two guests, I would just like for us to dialogue about some of those key sayings in the movie that we picked out. The first one that I remember is when they were, I think they were sitting on the back of the truck eating lunch or something, and he asked her if she was a good lawyer. And she said, I'm an excellent lawyer. And he says, why do black people have to always be excellent? Why can't we just be normal or why can't we just be ourselves? And when I hear that, why can't we be ourselves? I feel as if it's because we're viewed as violent or we're viewed as incompetent, ignorant, brutal users. So since we feel that is our label, we don't want to be ourselves and One point that drives this home for me is I believe if Queen and Slim were white and the police officer were white, they wouldn't have to feel as if they had to run away because it would have been evidence. But they knew I'm viewed this way, so I have to run. And you know what else I thought about them running? Remember when the movie first came on and they met at the diner? And they were talking, and she mentioned something about a death row case that, was it, did her client get put on death row? It was something, but it had to do with the system and how broken the system is. So because she was an attorney, she was part of this broken system, she's well aware of how the system treats black people. So when this stuff went down, although Slim, he was willing to turn himself in and not leave the police officer there, because one of the things about him, too, I believe, is that he had some kind of spiritual or religious beliefs. Remember the license plate on his car said something about God and he was praying before his meal, and she didn't believe in God. She was atheist. So I think he had the heart to want to do this, but she knew based on her experiences that they probably weren't going to get a fair trial. And I thought about that even after the video came out showing that this was self-defense, that they probably still would not have gotten a fair trial. That's true. and. One other thing that you said as we wrap up the episode is the statement from the black police officer when they were at her uncle's military buddy's home. The officer said, oh, it was nothing. It was just two deer caught in a bush. And I set them free. And I set them free. So can you break that? statement down from the movie as it relates to Queen and Slim and all the social issues attached to it? Again, this is just my perspective. When I heard it, I was thinking, wow, I just visualized these 
two deer caught in branches. For one thing, they're trapped. For another thing, they're an easy kill. And here this guy comes along. He says, I just set them free. So now they're able to run on without being directly in someone's sights and able to go and be free, or at least so they think, until the hunter actually catches up with them because they are still the hunted. I agree. It was they are hunted, and deer are pretty docile. When you think of deer, you don't think of an animal that will harm you compared to a bear or a lion. You're not hunting something that's vicious. You're hunting something that has a gentle nature. True. I just want to talk about one more quote, and that is the one that came from Junior. And this is probably the one that was most disturbing to me, is when he said something like, I just want people to know I was here. And what he did in order to try to be remembered, instead of being famous, he became infamous, perhaps, because of the actions that he took. And it just breaks my heart that people just don't feel like they're enough, that they have to do something outrageous in order to be seen. And it's just so sad. And it was just sad what happened to him as a result of wanting to be seen. Yes, it touches on something that we discussed earlier in the conversation. What is our principal challenge based on all this information from Queen and Slim? Because you gave a perfect segue to our principal challenge. Principal challenge. Live them out. I wanted to give our principal challenge based on something I read in the Oprah Magazine article that we were talking about. In the article, it said, we also wanted to speak to how black bodies and black lives are often more honored in death than in life. And we don't get to know who these people actually are until they're no longer with us. That is something else that made me sad. So our principal challenge for today is to honor people while they're alive. Let's get to know people before they die and share with them how we feel about them, how they matter, how they've changed our lives, how they've made a difference in this world. That's a great challenge because I felt if Junior felt that he was seen, he wouldn't have committed the crime that he did. So great principle challenge. We have had a lot of sad points in this particular episode. However, you're in luck because as always, we're going to have good news. So open your heart, mind, and ears for our next section. Spread the good news. Not rumors, not rubbish. Living the principles, we spread the good news. Our first good news point comes from Philadelphia. The first black woman in history has been hired to lead Philadelphia Police Department. Danielle Outlaw is the first black woman ever to become Philadelphia's police commissioner. Outlaw was chosen from 31 candidates, 18 of which were from the Philadelphia force, and she came from Oregon. We are making strides in the police force by becoming leaders. Our next good news 
comes from Brooklyn, New York. Obocho Peter's dream was to open a thrift store to sell gently used children's clothing so families in need could spend less money on their clothes and more on their children's education. He has achieved this dream in the Flatbush area of Brooklyn. Ocho wants others to know that this is only the tip of the iceberg and he has even bigger dreams. Our third good news point comes from the Washington area. Helping people was Barbara Whiting Wright's ministry. In her 83 years, Whiting Wright, called Miss Barbara by all those around her, devoted her life to advocating for family and friends, and particularly for black girls and women. She created a networking organization for African-American women attorneys in the Washington area. That concludes our good news for today. And as we often try to do is intertwined with the main course. All right, now it is time for our soul snack. Latricia, what's our soul snack for today? Our soul snack for today comes from a Kenyan proverb, and it says, a man who uses force is afraid of reasoning. That's our show for today. Remember to subscribe and share, rate and review our podcast. Until next time, expand your minds and impact your communities. Thanks for listening to Living the Principles podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.